This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. So come on and let's go and enjoy another episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Yeah! It's the Ayatollah Alcohola, Ian Wadley, and I'm here with. Uh, hi, everybody. It's me, Dr. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> hi. Hi. What a sidekick, Jesus Christ. I'm sorry Ed McMahon is dead. Yeah. Hey-o! Anyway, if you're hearing this, A, Rouse in Europe right now banging chicks with hairy armpits. You are correct, sir. <laughs> or B, he left the show. Rockin' Rexor. <laughs> anyway, here's an episode that went on way too fucking long with our special guest, DJ Metal Mike. Check it out. Well, all right, Uh, we're going to review the 1991 Black Album from Metallica. Uh, I have a lot of things to say about this album, but uh, before I do, Ian, uh, we got a special guest. Yes, we do. The one and only Metal Mike from that metal station is joining us. Hey, guys, man. I just want to say it's a fucking truly an honor to be part of the best fucking podcast on the Internet right now. And I mean that sincerely with all my heart. You guys fucking rule, man. Very I've been a man cool. since day one. Very cool. For for those that are not in the know, for those that have no clue in life, <laughs> uh, Metal Metal Mike Tyler runs two killer shows on that metal station on uh, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. He's got like an all thrash show that kicks ass, and then on Friday at 1 a.m. he's got like you know a mishmash of a lot of cool shit. And, dude, this guy's so badass, he plays Thrasher Die in combat. <laughs> yes, I do, man. Yes, I do. Uh, the, the, the Tuesday Night Thrash Bash is actually 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. 8 p.m.? It wasn't, it wasn't it used to be 7 p.m.? It was at one point in time. Ah. But, but we got a new DJ, uh, DJ Shant Star. Uh, I think he's a friend of um, your Facebook page and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Shant. I know Shant. Yeah, he... Uh, uh, that's my brother from another mother from Queens, New York, man. I love that guy. Uh, cool. Shantar's uh, Audio Aggression, and he comes on from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Tuesday, and then I follow him. And then, of course, there's the Friday show that I do. Well, the Tuesday Night Thrash Bash, I also have my co-host, Dirty Dave, Dirty Dave Ludke. And uh, then on Friday, I have my older brother, David Tyler, a.k.a. Scapegoat. That's what we call him on the air. <laughs> and uh, and he does a lot of the bumpers and uh sweeps and stuff for the station because uh, he does such a good job with the guy's a wizard with audacity that uh, Scott just says hey man do you think you could have him fucking do that for us on a regular basis I'm like I'm sure he wouldn't have a problem doing it so there you go man very very cool so um, you know uh, this show has been lacking a lot on uh, disagreeing it's been a very much a love fest with mm-hmm. album reviews and uh, so this this week it's going to be Ian Wadley and Mike Tyler against me. <laughs> oh man, that, that yeah, that's right, Mike. I know, I know, I know you're shocked. I know you're shocked. But let me explain myself first. Oh, that's fine, oh, bro. Oh yeah, sure. I hate the Black Album when it came out. I was just like you and Ian. But something happened to me a month ago when I was at the Last in Line show, which was unfortunately Jimmy Bain's last show when he played Man. the casino here. And uh, before they came on, they played the Black Album in full. Now, 
there's still parts I don't like, but right, I was right. reawakened. I was reawakened, and I, I will explain why there's some songs that, boy, even, and I'll even say, I'll even go one further. Uh, after that show, I was like, fuck, man, this song and that song and this other song is really good, but the rest mm -hmm. is kind of eh. Well, yeah. I, listened, I listened to this album again for this episode, and I ended up liking even more songs. Well, uh, Mike, why don't you uh, take over that, the first track on the album? All righty then. <laughs> um, yeah, Inner Sandman. This is what my notes say. Slow, plodding, boring, and pedestrian. Perfect production. Too fucking perfect. Very simple, straightforward rock slash metal. And then I added, I remember when I first saw the world premiere video, which I've already said, and I almost fucking weep like a little bitch. It's also lyrically retarded as well. I mean, off to <laughs> Never Neverland. What is this, fucking Metallica or Peter fucking Pan? Next. All right, Ian. Uh, and like I said, the first time I saw it, I loved it. But, man, I really never, ever have to hear this song again. But with that being said, if I was seeing a good Metallica show and they played it, I, I could see myself getting to the spirit, but that's the only way it, to, to see it live. You know, I never want to hear it on record again. But uh, it, it was the first single. It's definitely their most popular song. I mean, not, not their best, but everybody knows this fucking song. It was uh, a, a song James wrote about nightmares, and Kirk came up with the riff. Uh, but originally the lyrics were about crib death, you know, and uh, James wrote the story about, you know, a family being torn apart by like a child's death and Bob Rock and uh, Lars stood up to James for the first time and said, you need to change those lyrics. Uh, and, and that was kind of a weird situation. Uh, I never saw the video that they did that was all about the making of this. But they say these the, the sessions for this were terrible because they were fighting Bob Rock like crazy. I mean, they picked him, but then when they got him, man, it was like you know him trying to change the you know the Tiger Stripes didn't come easy. And uh, but Lars and Bob stood up to him and he changed the lyrics and he made it kind of about the Sandman. And the funny thing is, uh, Lars knew nothing about the Sandman. I guess that's like an American type you know fairy tale. That Lars had no idea, what, what is this Sandman you're talking about? He had no fucking idea, but mm. yet the lyrics did change. I'm not going to say it's a bad song, but it's just, it, it's not necessarily what I want out of Metallica, but I see why so many people like it, because I, it, I think it is a good structured song. It's just, you know, I would rather, you know, it, I talked about this in the new Anthrax review, the song uh, Breathing Lightning. The song's really grown up. I think it's a decent song. It's just not what I want out of them. And this song is not what I want out of Metallica. But it's an obvious hit. And for a reason, it's catchy. It's well, that's a, a pretty good correlation there, Ian, because I'm very disappointed in the new Anthrax. Well, I, don't, I don't really care for it, man. Well, there you go. What do you think, Ralph, of Ender Sandman? Okay. Um, like I said earlier, when I first heard it, I was like, ah. I didn't hate it, I didn't love it. I was a little on the fence about it. And then when I saw him do it on MTV, the Video Music Awards, I then I, I actually really hated it. Because, um, you know, the way they perform this song live is pretty bad because 
You know, uh, I'll give you an example. Like when James sings the studio version, he's like, sleep with one eye open. You know, that, but then when he does it live, he's like, sleep with one eye open. And I was like, what the hell? What, you can't sing that part live? And it, and then it just, I just dismissed the song completely. And yes, that's a song that you can stay away from the Black Album all you want, but you can't stay away from that song. Cause that song is everywhere. So I've heard it a lot through the years. And to tell you the truth, like you, I don't really hate the song. It's not something I would, if I was to put on the Black Album, I wouldn't put it on start to finish. I would go through tracks and I definitely wouldn't start with that one. Um, but at the same time, no, I, I really don't think it's a bad song. It's not what I want from Metallica, like you said. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it's it's a, it's an all right track. And yes, it is the song that that uh, broke them in the mainstream because it is a very accessible song. Like you know, if you're gonna fucking turn on the masses to Metallica, you're not gonna do it with Blacken. You're gonna do it with Enter Sandman. And uh, another interesting thing about this song, at the same time this song came out, Go To Hell came out from Megadeth. Yep. And it had uh, Now I Lay Me Down and Sleep speech yep. there. Purely coincidental, because they both came out at the same time. I believe it was exactly the same time they were both released. Yeah, wow. it, it was a matter of weeks. Like I said, when I heard Go to Hell, I thought it was Metallica. I turned around and I saw David Stain. I was like, oh, this is this is Megadeth. So, and and uh, just to get off subject for for a second, Go to Hell fucking rules. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll oh, take, fuck, yeah. I'll take that any day over Inner Sandman. Oh, that is a gr one of the best Megadeth songs. You know that? And 99 Ways to Die are like the best Megadeth songs oh. that aren't that aren't on albums. Oh, I, oh, love I that one. totally agree with you, Ralph. 99 Ways to Die fucking rules. And man. that's why, Mike, I haven't hung up on you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll take the next one. Um, Sad but true. Uh, you know what? Even back then, I thought it was an okay song, but now I love this song. And I'll even go one further. I I listened to this song every fucking time ever since that last in line show i saw every time i drive to band practice i sing this song over and over because this is now my new song to warm up my voice to and uh and now you know and i listen to it and i can't help but think this is harvester of sorrow part two and i think harvester of sorrow heavy uh borrows heavily from the small hours, from uh, what was the band? Was it Killing Joke that did that one? Uh, fuck. You know, on Garage Days Revisited. Right, right, right. No, oh, yeah. Was that Killing Joke? Yeah, yeah. I think it was. Well, it, it, I the first time I heard Harvester of Sorrow, I couldn't help but think, wow, this kind of reminds me of the small hours. And I think Sad but True has that same vibe as the small hours and Harvester of Sorrow. And. Uh, I fucking love this song now. I, I used to think whatever about it, but now it's like my go-to song to warm up my voice. I did mention this to my band and they laughed at me. Uh, if you laugh at me over songs I like, don't go to the bathroom when we go out to eat because I am known to piss in your drink. <laughs> Thank you. And then giggle as you drink it. <laughs> and film it with my phone while you're not watching. <laughs> Sad but true. Well, you know what? Uh, 
Remind me never to piss you off, Ralph, if we ever meet face to face. Mike, I'm already peeing in your drink, dude. <laughs> oh, you, don't, God, you, you don't even have to talk about the next song. And Ian, remember that time we ate over there in New Orleans? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was, that, that, while you were in the bathroom, I was like, yeah, just a boy, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, 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 I thought that beer had a bit of wang to it. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. Oh, fuck. That was the elder drink. <laughs> All right, uh, Mike, what do you think of Sabatru? Remember, you'll be going to eat with me one day. So. Um, okay. Here's what I like about it. I think the riff itself is fucking amazing. Badass. My problem with it, though, is it, it's just way too fucking monotonous. I mean, it's the same fucking riff over and over throughout the entire song. Um, and one of the things I've always loved about Metallic albums before that was the way they would structure their songs. It was almost like songs within songs. And I fucking love that. I mean, it's something that even Black Sabbath would do on some of their albums back in the day. And I mean, it, I don't know. I don't hate it. It's not awful, but it's it's OK. You know, like I said, the riff. And, and the one thing I do want to see about this album, though, the one thing I really do like, I think some of the solo guitar work by Kirk. Is fucking solid. Like I think Kirk Hammett doesn't really get enough credit, you know, as a guitar player. I mean, he's done some killer fucking guitar solos throughout a lot of the Metallic albums, in my opinion. I mean, I know he didn't have much to do with the written material on the first album, obviously, because a lot of those songs were written with Dave Mustaine. But yeah, you know, I think I think there's some killer solos on this album. I will say that. So. Yeah, that's what I think about Sad But True. How about you, Ian? All right, Sad But True. Uh, great riff, but I, I see what Mike's saying about it re- being repeated over and over. And the unfortunate thing, and I, I can't say this is Metallica's fault, but nowadays when I hear this, you know, from living in Central Florida and hearing, you know, modern rock radio, Every time I hear this, I hear American Badass by Kid Rock. <laughs> you know, it's it's fucking terrible. Oh, uh, that is yeah. bad. Yeah, that, that yeah. is bad. This was uh, the fifth and last single off the album. I forgot to mention, well, I, most people should know, the Inner Sandman was the first single. This was the fifth and last single, and uh, it's not horrible, but uh, like I said, I hear it now, and I hear Kid Rock. And uh, that's not Metallica's fault. It's just radio's fault. Hey, hey, Ian, do you have in order the singles? Because I want to try. I want to take a shot and see if I can get them in order. Okay. Uh, All right. I believe I have it written down. Okay. Okay. Uh, First single was Enter Sandman. Correct. Second one was Unforgiven. Correct. Third one was Nothing Else Matters. Uh, Yes. Ah. Fourth one, uh, um... Wherever I may roam. Correct. And the fifth one, sad but true. Yeah, dude, you got them all. Fuck yeah. You got them all. Okay. All right. Man. Nice. I'm the, I'm the king. That that's pretty fucking impressive. Because yeah, I, I I know you. You you have no fucking notes. That was pure memory. That's, that's right, man. <laughs> that's impressive, brother. No, to tell you the truth, I, when you said. Sabatru was the fifth single. I thought to myself, really? Fuck! I thought that was maybe earlier, but I know all the videos from that album, so I figure I'll take a shot on right. it. No, that's impressive. I'm, yeah, I'm impressed. Most impressive. 
I yeah. win the internet. <laughs> yeah, you do. All right. Well, I mean, that's pretty Take much. Take that, Wikipedia. Yeah. Oh man, that's uh, that's why I have to take notes and Ralph doesn't, because <laughs> I'm a fucking wet brain and, and Ralph is living <laughs> metal. Uh, all right, I'll take the next song. The next song is Holier Than Thou, and uh, I love this one. This this is like, okay, here's Metallica. Uh, there you are. You sh- you know you showed your head again. I love the like you know like the spit singing. You know like how fast. Uh, he, he's doing this shit. And originally, James wanted this to be the first single off the album. And I get no, that. No, 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 you're wrong. It was Bob Rock. And in, in the vid- in the in the home video, You're in a Life of Metallica, Okay. Uh, James Hetfield was making fun of Bob Rock because Bob Rock wanted Holier Than Thou. Believe it or not. Oh, okay. Well, maybe, maybe I misread because I read that it was Bob Rock and Lars that made it uh inner sandman no 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 actually uh it was bob rock oh you know what it is it's actually it's studio footage of them in the studio and bob rock's like this should be the first single and then they were goofing on him about it oh okay well hey fuck there you go you scolded me again maybe maybe i read it wrong or it was written wrong but uh i i'll tell you what i think this would have made a great first single because I, I, I think it wouldn't have scared off as many fans. No, uh, but Ian, come on. In retrospect, this album sold a gazillion fucking records. Oh, well, well, Maybe Inner Sandman was the right choice. Well, well, no, I'm not saying for the masses. I'm saying for Metallica fans. If Metallica fans heard this first, it, you know, they might have been like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, but, but, you know, if it was like, uh, if, if this album would have been like a Metallica fan type thing, I mean, how the hell are they going to get like a gold... Hot tub. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Well. Uh, well. Thank you for correcting me on that, because sometimes I am wrong. Uh, but I do love this song. I, where'd, you, where'd you get that story? Wikipedia. Yes, sir. I, I, I Wikipedia, man. I think, but I, I don't know if I if I wrote it down wrong or read it wrong, but because uh, I mean it's similar but different. <laughs> there's, there's actual video uh, video footage yeah. of Bob Rock saying that yeah. this should be the first single. Okay, see, I, I, uh, that's what I was saying earlier. I never watched uh, that Year in the Life video, so. It's actually really good. I mean, to watch it? once, you know. It's actually really, there's a part that, like, my favorite part was uh, where, uh, <laughs> what was it? Um, uh, James' voice was shot, and Lars was telling him, come on, sing. He's like, I can't sing. He's, come on, do it. He goes, I wouldn't ask you to play drums if your arm fell off. <laughs> I, I love that scene because he was super pissed. And he slams it. It was actually there's a lot of tension in that thing, and and then there's another scene where they're throwing darts at a winger poster. Yeah, well that's that, <laughs> that, that ends up in the video for. Uh, well, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, nothing else matters. Yeah. That that all that footage and nothing else matters is from that uh, home video. Okay, right. All I all I've seen is uh, Cliff them all. Uh, I saw that some kind of monster, and then the one you got me to watch that through the never. That's the only Metallica videos I've ever watched. Yeah, the, the, that year in the life, it's very long. I remember back then it was two videotapes. Yeah, and both, yeah, I both videotapes that. were like two hours. Wow. Like the first videotape is all studio, then the second videotape is all right. them on the road. I, I, I think by the time that the video was released, I was already kind of soured on the Black Album, and that's why I didn't buy it. Right. Because I remember I didn't get um, live shit binge and purge for that same reason. 
because I was already like, ah, fuck Metallica. Uh, I, I bought it. I bought it for that Seattle show uh, video. The, right. the, the right. oh my god, that's so well shot, and that's a big mystery right there. That that Seattle show, Injustice for All, is so well well done. Great fucking angles. It's one of the best for that time. One of the best concert videos ever. And they never released it. They they released it finally on uh, you know, this big box. But I, it's very odd they didn't release it between Injustice and uh, the Black Album. It's a great right. fucking amazing fucking uh live video. Yeah, I, I need to go back and watch it. I need to go. Well, I remember I got excited about Metallica again. Uh, you're gonna laugh this route, but uh after uh, Death Magnetic, and I almost I remember like listening to it. And I was like, oh, Metallica's hungry again and and me and my buddy went to best buy and i was like maybe i should give this a chance because i remember he bought it you know the original big box with the vhs tapes and everything and he goes ah he goes it ain't that great and i was like oh okay so i didn't buy it well you know i mean i do agree with you death magnetic metallica was hungry again for cock (laughs) (laughs) all right well speaking of cock mike tyler What? Oh, damn. Why, why, don't you, why don't you discuss the next song, and that is The Unforgiven. Hey, hey, wait, wait. Did, oh. did, did we talk about Holier Than Thou, either me or Mike? Oh, wait a minute. I don't know. I, I've been drinking for a long time. I don't Mike, think we did. did. No, oh, no, okay. I, I know I didn't, but Mike didn't either. Go don't, ahead, Mike. I, I read on Wikipedia that you guys did. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there you go. What's there again? you go, Wikipedia, man. All Fuck. right, all right, Mike. What do you think of Holier Than Thou? Um, actually, very cool opening riff, faster paced song, and it, to me, it sounded it, even at the time like more like the Metallica that I knew and loved. Um, if the album had been more like this, I probably would like the Black Album a lot more. And I also think, once again, Kurt Hammett's solo work is fucking awesome. And yeah, that's about it, really. I mean, I yeah, I like Holier Than Now. I, I do dig that song. All right, um, I I well, this was the one song that uh, everybody back then, uh, Black Album sucks except for Holier Than Now. Everybody loved this one. I think I think the song is good. It's okay. It, it I don't like it as much as both you guys. It's not one of those go-to songs for me. I prefer Sad But True, but yeah, it does have the bombastic early like the riffage. Of like a not a big thrash Metallica number, but you know, kind of like a, a shortest straw type thing. You know? Yeah, to, yeah, I can see that. Kind of like in that area, that gray area where it's not thrash, but it's not metal. It's almost in between of both, and it is a good song. But I understood. Like, let me put it this way: when I went to go see the Black Album live, all those times I saw it, they never threw out Holier Than Thou because I really don't think it's a song that would have translated good live though i know they did end up playing this song live not sure if they did it on the black album but i know later on metallica is known to play all their fucking songs from the black album down because they they not even like two years ago they played escape for the first time you know so every so i figure i correct me if i'm wrong but didn't they play the black album in its entirety, like on the Ryan tour or something like that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm yeah. pretty sure they did. Yes, they did. And maybe that's when Holier Than That was first uh, played live. I could be wrong, but it's an okay song. It's not horrible. It's not as horrible as some that are coming up. But there's this one song on this album that I hate so fucking much. 
and I still do with a passion. Well, and it's one of the singles. Really? Because uh, oh. on, on Wikipedia it says you love every song. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I read that. I, yeah, but I, I, I believe I believe I was the one that wrote that in there. You know, oh, okay. shits and giggles. I was having fun that day. <laughs> Uh, I was drunk on cock that day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, well, now we go into Unforgiven. And Mike, would you like to start it off? Uh, okay. The Unforgiven. More like the fucking unlistenable. All right. <laughs> I fucking hate this track with a passion. It's fucking horrible. Yeah. I. If they came out in a single, and I believe it did, I'd buy two singles. One to shit on, the other to cover it up with. <laughs> Fuck this track. <laughs> Okay. All right. Nice. Wow. Ralph, you, want, you about... wanted hate, Doctor Fuck. <laughs> there, there it is. All right. Well, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what I feel about this song. I don't like it, but it, it ain't the one I really hate with a passion. Uh, what is unique? I, I will say there is something unique about this song, though. It's it's a ballad, but it's like a reverse ballad. Because remember, back in the power ballad days, it was like mellow. Then the fucking chorus would be heavy. Then back to the mellow verses, then heavy. Where this one, it's like kind of like a heavy verse and then a mellow chorus. You know what I'm saying? You guys know what I'm talking going coming at? It's yeah, structured. Can, it's structured the that. opposite. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've never heard a song like this, like where it's like heavy and then the chorus is mellow. I mean, I'm sure maybe after this song, album came out, there's millions of bands that did that, but. Now that I think about it, Return of Serenity by Testaments like that. That's um, an interesting point, Ralph. But that, yeah. that, that was a year later, I believe. That was 92 when uh, Ritual came out. You got you got to remember, Testament modeled their early career totally over Metallica. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They were definitely a Metallica kind of clonish band. Oh, yes. But uh, my, point, my point is, is that... Um, uh, I'm not. I'm not a fan of the song, to be honest with you. I can, but you know, I mean, I, how Mike described it, it's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not that brutal. I mean, I wouldn't kill it, but I would, I would kick it in the nuts. <laughs> and, and and what's what's funny about this song is that Dave Mustaine loves it. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Really? Yeah. Oh, Dave Jesus Mustaine Christ. loves the Unforgiven. Yeah. Wow. He, he wrote a whole album of Unforgiven. It's called Risk. Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> shit. He he actually said. Uh, he didn't like the Black Album except for Unforgiven. He said, "He said, oh, man, I like this song so much that he personally uh, called uh, James Hetfield to congratulate him how good the Unforgiven was." Wow, pretty wild, huh? Wild wow. stuff. It just shows you how you can find Christ and lose your mind. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, uh, this is like Ralph called it out earlier. Here's a couple things. This is so funny because we're going to go back to Wikipedia. Ralph knew this was the second single. And Ralph knew something else that I found out on this. That Metallica purposely tried to redefine the ballad by changing up the structure. By doing the heavier verse. and this, or the, you, know, you, know, you know, mixing the verse and the chorus is what's heavy and what's soft. So uh, yeah, I love that. I love that you called that because that's what I read on uh, Wikipedia. Well, who do you think wrote it in there? Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. right. <laughs> and, and and I got to tell you, the way I discovered that was uh, uh, being high on marijuana back in the day. <laughs> nice. I remember watching the video because Metallica had a video for Unforgiven that not a lot of people saw. It's like twenty minutes long. Did you guys ever see that version? 
No, There's like a 20-minute so. version of that video where the first, like, I don't know, how what, what's the, the song's what, like seven minutes long? Right. Well, the, the rest of the video, the beginning of the video is, is that. You guys seen the video, right? Yes. For Unforgiven? Yes. Well, the, the, the video is that kid that you see, the black and white kid. He's right. going through caves. It makes no sense whatsoever. And I was super stoned watching this shit, and it really, <laughs> and it really sucked. But I still watched it because it was just weird, and it was like you know, and it was really good marijuana I was on. <laughs> and then when the song kicked in and I'm listening to it, I go, "Hey man, <laughs> I noticed something weird about this. The chorus is mellow, but the verses are like heavy-ish. This is like, this is like fucking the reverse." And little did you know, some guy just as stone as me went on Wikipedia and wrote about it. <laughs> and, and then the, huh. the fucked up thing, I saw the 20 minute version of Don Johnson's Heartbeat, but I never saw the 20 minute version of Metallica oh, Unforgiven. I got something interesting to say about that, Ian. Okay. The, tw- the, the John Johnson, that Heartbeat album, he did like a, like a, like a half hour, an hour of film. Yeah, of, yeah. With all those songs. My dad's hardware store is in that video. Oh wow! I, I knew you said Miami Vice was. I didn't know that video. Uh, was Miami too. Vice filmed around there, but there's a scene where Paul Schaefer and Don Johnson were on the street, standing right in front of my dad's hardware store, Manny's Hardware, and uh, I have it somewhere on VHS. It's probably on YouTube. It wasn't the song Heartbeat though, but it was another song from the video where it's like he's acting and there's these hot right. chicks there. And there's uh, Manny's Hardware, fucking uh, my dad's hard. My dad's Hardware also appears in the Specialist with Sylvester Stallone, oh, nice. um, Smoking the Bandit Part Three, and um, um, oh, what was that name of the movie? Oh, uh, Chugging Male Cock. Uh, that, but that's 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 because I was in it and I didn't have to like pay my dad to to use footage of of the hotel and uh, I got throat fucked in front of the hardware store. That's a, that's. A, I remember Good, that. Thank God that's out of print. I remember that because you're holding up a sign that says "fuck Wikipedia." <laughs> oh, oh actually. Actually, you read it wrong. It says, fuck, come here and pee on me. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> how, how, how French. <laughs> All Heartbeat. right. Well, Ooh la la. <laughs> un- Unforgiven. This is one, like, uh, I could never deny that I loved Inner Sandman when I first heard it. But I can always say that I was never a fan of Unforgiven. And... Uh, man, the, the only thing really worse... Well, because there are worse songs, but... Jesus Christ. Then you get Unforgiven 2 and Unforgiven 3, which make Unforgiven 1 look like fucking cashmere, you know? Um, but this is definitely, definitely not what I want out of Metallica. Wow. Yeah, this uh horrible. And unfortunately, this is one of those songs where, like, you know, even Metallica can still bring it live and you go see them and, and you, you hear the old shit, it sounds great. You're never going to leave a Metallica show now without hearing this, without hearing, you know, Fuel, and, and, uh. and yeah, and shit like that. And it's unfortunate because they still do some other old gems that, that sound amazing. I will never deny that they still play good live, but they play a lot of songs I don't want to hear. And this is one of them. I would definitely go, you know, to the fucking beer line and try to score some fucking Coke 
during this shit, you know, because it, <laughs> right, it, right. it's fucking horrible. All right, well, then we go into the fourth single that Ralph already called, and that is Wherever I May Roam. And uh, starts out with an uncredited appearance by George Harrison on, uh, on sitar. <laughs> and uh, I don't think this is a bad song. I'm just burned out on it. It you know it's a good road song you know it, you know for you know like a touring band you can kind of see you know and especially at that point how long they've toured and everything you can see where they come up with a song like this and I'll never forget that when they did the Garage Inc and they did a cover of uh, the Bob Seger song Turn the Page and oh God Lars really pissed me off because he's like I fucking hate Bob Seger but we should have wrote that song. Well, you did a half-assed version of it called fucking uh, Wherever I May Roam. You know? Right. Basically the same type of story. So, and I thought that was real low class. Like, you cut down the artist that you're covering and say you should have wrote that song. Well, I, I think Turn the Page... That's fucked up, Yeah. Man. Turn the Page will live... Even though I, I, I don't want to hear Turn the Page again. Don't get me wrong. I love Bob Seger, but I never want to hear that song either. Oh, I hear you. Yeah, I love Bob Seger, too, as far right. as I'm concerned, for my money. You know, when people talk about blue collar rock, you know, Bruce Spring, I'm like, fuck Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Bob no, fucking Seeker, man. It's, it's all about Bob Seeger and John Cafferty, you know, for a working man's band, you know. Fucking A. <laughs> but uh, n- not a horrible song, but I, but I am burned out on it. Uh, what do you think, Mike? Uh, honestly, I, I kind of feel about this the way I do about um, uh, Sad But True. It's same riffs over and over and over pretty monotonous and quite frankly i get bored with it after a while you know it just don't really do a whole lot for me um and i think maybe part of the problem also is because certain tracks like you know they released so many fucking singles on this album man and they played the fuck out of these songs it's like even i couldn't escape it even when i wanted to you know what i mean everywhere i went metallica they would play one of these fucking lame ass fucking video tracks, you know, radio singles. Ugh. Yeah, well, anyway. Back then, you didn't have excellent DJs like DJ Metal Mike and Dr. Fuck and DJ And, and DJ Zilla. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like... And like, well, like your story you said, when you had that young preppy girl going, play the Metallica ballad for me. I mean, it was that kind of shit, you know? And it was just like, oh, fuck. I think I'm going to throw up in my mouth again. If I wasn't uh, bulimic before, I am now. <laughs> Jesus. Regurgitated bullshit. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's just the way I feel about it. Well, I this this is uh, the song I can't fucking stand. Really? Definitely fucking the, a! Wow. I will I will say I will take Unforgiven and nothing else matter over this fucking song. Wow, this caught me I, off guard. I cannot stand. I never like this song. It's boring. It's redundant. And something that I don't think you and Mike know this. But wherever I may roam, the acronym is WIMR. And what you guys don't know, Wimmer, that's what that's how you pronounce it, Wimmer. In German, ask Mr. T, in German, Wimmer means this song sucks. <laughs> and also in France, Wimmer means I got AIDS. <laughs> and in China, Wimmer means you fucking suck if you like this song. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, like I said, it don't really, you know, hey, whatever, man. And in Born. Cuba, <laughs> in Cuba, Wimmer means 
Please, we need food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, the next song, Ralph, why don't you talk about Don't Tread on Me? I like this one. And this is one that I just discovered, to tell you the truth, because I got to be honest with you, man. Back in the day when I heard this song, it kind of like, I don't know, went in one ear out the other. I was like, ah, this ain't Metallica, they fuck this shit. And then like that fateful day last month or two months ago, uh, when I started listening to this album again, I was like, boy, this song is cool. I love it. It's like, it's a, it, and I love like this whole fucking, you know, believe me, I'm not a fan of Ted Nugent's politics, but I do dig that kind of attitude where America motherfucker. So this kind of got that Ted Nugent attitude, but you know, I mean, at least you don't have to hear the diarrhea coming out of the mouth. But I love, I love this fucking don't tread on me, motherfucker. You know, and, and it's just, it's very American and I love it. And uh, it's fucking, let me, oh yeah. Um, and also uh, the acronym to this song. <laughs> it's D-T-O-M, it's DITOM. <laughs> And that means, that means, in Swahili, that means, if you don't like this fucking country, get the fuck out. <laughs> fucking A, dude. True story. Oh, oh, and also, Ditum in Canada, in Canada, Ditum means, don't let Ted Nugent in here. <laughs> you know, in Canada, uh, they, say, they say, red and white, but never blue. <laughs> They're happy motherfuckers. <laughs> and oh, and another thing, Ditum, that was the name of the drums that Lars played on on uh, St. Anger. He played Ditum drums. Uh, I, I think those were shouldn't have, shouldn't have played those drums. <laughs> <laughs> right, no shit, man. All right, Mike, what do you think of Don't Tread On Me? Um... Honestly, I, it's one of the better tracks on this album, I think. Uh, almost kind of anthemic, and, and it's got good hooks. Um, and again, solid guitar work by Kirk. And yeah, um, it, apparently it comes from... I mean, that was a saying that a lot of the colonists said when they were rebelling against the British that led to the Revolutionary Wars. Hey, motherfucker, don't tread on me. You know, don't, right. don't take you advantage know what, of me. And Mike, Mike I, I, I don't think you know this, but back then they also said... Shut the fuck up, Ted Nugent. <laughs> they would say that way back in those days. Even then, they could hear Ted's mouth. Huh? Exactly. Wow. True story. <laughs> uh, are, you got anything else on that, Mike? Or Not really. I mean, like I said, it, it's a pretty decent track. I mean, you know, for what it's worth, like I said, you know, yeah, I, I like it. It's, it's one of the better tracks, in my opinion. All right. Well, uh, I remember when I first listened to this, and it's funny for a guy that like you know, admittedly like cock rock. I thought it was too happy for Metallica. Like it's too kind of like, eh, you know. I thought it should have been a little bit heavier. But this is one like going back and listen to it. I, I, you know, I totally got into it, and as it's playing, you know, I'm banging my head. I'm like, don't turn over me, you know. And I'm really getting, right. I, I'm, I'm really getting into it, and. <laughs> According to Wikipedia and who, and who, and Julio, the guy I buy bath salts off of, uh, James said this was like a uh, a flip side of injustice because where he said you know a lot of you know especially the title track and some other songs were kind of anti-America and anti-establishment, saying where we went wrong, and he's like 
Well, you know, in hindsight, but yeah, America's still a great fucking place to live. As much as I bitch, it's still the greatest country. And this was his kind of, I, I don't know if apology is the right word, but let, you know, just showing a different angle. Like, yeah, right, he's showing the other your, side to that. Yeah. 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 You know, while, you know, the great thing about America is you can bitch about America. And exactly. He, and here's something to show the other side. Like, yeah, for all our faults, fuck you. We're from America. And don't trade on me. You know, so uh, this is definitely one in hindsight. Like, listening to it today, I was like, yeah, I get that, man. And, that's you know, that's something I should have said, Ian, because at the time, i got to be honest with you, years ago when it came out, I didn't like it at all. But, yeah, after listening to it today and re-familiarizing myself with it, I was like, you know, it's a pretty fucking good track. Not bad at all, you know. So there it's you go. Got, it's got a cool thrashy vibe, too. Yeah, yes, it does. Yes, it does. All right, Mike, well, what do you think about the next track, Through the Never? Um, again, another fast-paced track, uh, really cool opening riff. And I, again, I, 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 I don't mean to disappoint you guys, but I actually like this song. Um, if we'd had more tracks like this and Holier Than Thou, I probably would have liked the Black Album a lot better. This song kicks ass, man. Yeah, um, I, I like this song, too. And this was one of the songs that was a uh, mainstay on the Black Tour. Uh, they played it every time I saw them. And uh, it was, I think it is the fastest track on the album, along with Holier Than Thou. And uh, I think this one, too. Uh, the acronym to this is THN. <laughs> it, it means absolutely nothing. I don't know. <laughs> is, is, isn't it TTN? No. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to correct yeah, Dr. Yeah, Fuck. Well, oh, hey, no, hey, no, man. You can't believe everything you read on Wikipedia. <laughs> exactly. I was about to say that. That's what I saw on Wikipedia. THN. <laughs> Oh, oh shit! I thought it was through. It was. I thought it was through. Hey, hoes never. <laughs> oh man, um, this this is one you know kind of to me has that old feel to it. And what I like about this is there's no burnout factor because you know it was never a single. And if you gave up on the blackout like a lot of us did, you didn't hear this for a long time. So so now when you play it, it it's it sounds kind of fresh. You know, it's like, right. oh, oh, this ain't so bad, I, you know. Right, exactly. I, I, I like this song. and But one thing I will say, you know, we haven't so far talked too much about the production. And, uh, you know, uh, Lars has said that, that him and James picked Bob Rock because they liked the sound of Dr. Feelgood. They, right. They, they weren't necessarily Motley Crue fans, but they liked the sound of that album. And I know, Ralph, you said you really like the sound of the drums on this. And I'm not saying it's a bad sound, but to me, like, Lars sounds like Tommy Lee on this. You know, it's kind of like, it it has a cock rock drum sound. Um, And the whole production is very clean. And Mm -hmm. that's not to say that it's incorrect or bad. It's just polished. I'm not, but, I'm not what, what the guy does he, he's doing what he's supposed to do exactly but to me I like the dirtier production that you got in metal from say like fucking 1980 to 1985 there's just like a you, you know if you listen to the production on Master of Puppets like yes. I, I want even if the song doesn't necessarily it doesn't have to sound like a Master of Puppets song but that is the rawness 
you know, and even the drums. I don't want the drums to sound like Tommy Lee. I want because that's one of the things that scared me and intrigued me about Thrash at the same time. That really stuck out was the drumming because there's a, there's no other drumming in the world like Thrash drumming because it's it's fast it, it's it's off pace it's it, it's just like sporadic and kicks you in the fucking teeth mm-hmm. and, and this it's kind of like you know it, I, I'm not gonna say it's fucking Tico Torres but, <laughs> but you, you know you know what I mean it, it's like it, it's a little bit too clean and not as chaotic and that's what I really love about Thrash is the chaotic nature in itself. Oh yeah, you know yeah. It, it sounds like controlled chaos, and, right? And, and that to me is missing on this album. But I mean, if you're trying to like, you, you know, it, it's like if some guy jumps in your car and he's trying to set your EQ. Like Bob Rock would be a great guy to set your EQ. Oh, definitely, yeah. But uh, you know, I like my, you know, like my women. I like it a little on the trashy side. <laughs> you know, I, I want that dirty. You know, I want. Guys, you know, that look like dirtbags in a garage banging out music that they don't give a fuck if it's on the radio. Right. And and this shit is just like it's got, you know, somebody sprayed Glade on it, you know, waxed it down real good. Not to say that it's wrong. And these are these are hit songs. These are what? these are well-written, well-structured songs. But out of thrash, I want chaos. And out, right. and out of Metallica, I want chaos. And they said a lot during this period that, like, they, they they compared it to how Rush changed with, you know, going from the 70s prog, you know, to the 80s, uh, you know, with, like, you know, uh, not Power Windows, uh, uh, moving pictures, you know, to, to, to shorter songs, more punchier songs. And uh, let me ask you this, Ralph. Uh, you are the elder here, no pun intended. Uh, as a fan of Rush in the 70s, was there a backlash when they changed their style the same way, like how Metallica changed their style? Uh, big time, but it didn't happen till after Signals. Even though Signals was a big departure and getting more keyboard friendly, they were still living off the fame of moving pictures where it just translated well into Signals. But then after that, with uh, Grace Under Pressure, which I love, right. uh, that turned a lot of people off, and then. They were still playing arenas, but they were kind of like what Carrie King uh, recently said. They were really uh, living off their past, really, because people weren't really into Grace Under Pressure like they were the earlier stuff. And and then it just it snowballed and got... I mean, I stopped. After Signals, I didn't see Rush till Test for Echoes. Right. So I was very turned off by Rush, to tell you the truth. I, I mean, what I heard, I was like, oh. Though I did like Grace Under Pressure, but be honest with you, I didn't at the time. It wasn't until really recently, maybe like five, six years ago, I went back and, and listened to that album and I go, man, this sounds really good. It's it's a, I mean, I don't think it's as good as Signals or Moving Pictures, but it's, I think it's a solid album, even though they were getting really keyboardy at the time. But then after that, like I couldn't get into, what's the one with the red bubbles? Oh, Hold Your Fire, yeah. I couldn't yeah. get into that or uh, which is the one with Time Stand Still? Is that yeah, the same yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, Hold Your Fire, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And then the ones after yeah. that, whatever they were. But, but see, I, I love having your perspective on that because, you know, it's, it's like when we talked about Somewhere in Time. See, Somewhere in Time was my first Maiden. 
So I didn't know this shit before, so it didn't turn me off. I just enjoyed it for what it was. You know, my, my son loves 90s Metallica because that was his first Metallica. Now, he still loves the old stuff, but he came in on that. So there wasn't that, like, feel of betrayal or, or sellout because he heard that like that and then went back. That's how I was with Iron Maiden. But well, you, yeah, and that happens a lot, I think. With like, okay, I'm in between your ages. You're what? Four? You're gonna be 42 in May, Ian. Yeah. And Ralph, you're what? 51. You just turned 51 recently, right? I'm 73. Oh, <laughs> right on. Okay. Well, I'm I'm 45, going on 46, and so I'm kind of like in between you guys. And like, I'm old enough to remember when Rush blew up with all that. And like, kind of like Ralph, man. I would say after Signals, man, I was pretty much I tuned out on Rush. You know, you know what I mean? But yeah, you are right. Yeah. It, it is important about, you know, it's very important whenever you talk to fans. Well, how old are you? When did you come? Because, yeah. like you just pointed out, Ralph had kind of tuned out by somewhere right. in time. Where right. that's your first Maiden album. So to right. you, it was like, oh, this is fucking awesome. Um, it, it's it's like Ralph said at the, at the Judas Priest point of entry. If he wasn't at that particular era when he heard that, he might not like that album. But because right. of where he was at, he was able to accept it. And it, it still means a lot to him, where other people were turned off by it. Totally, 100%. If, uh, if Point of Entry was released in 86, I probably would have hated it. And that's that really does show, like, all of us are really fucking, uh, we're, we're nutty. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, a lot of it, I mean, it, you know, has to do with your youth. Nothing will ever be as cool as it was really like in your youth and when you first hear stuff you know and that i think that has a lot to do with it and that's sometimes i, I realize i'm being real judgmental against other people but it's like hey if that's your error that's what you come into I, I, why I, well, well i mean i have to try to understand that because mm -hmm. there's a lot of maiden fans you know like ralph man when he heard somewhere in time he's like what the fuck is this shit because he came up with all this good heavy paul diano i mean real metal shit and oh when, yeah. And when he hears those keyboards on somewhere in time, he's like, what the fuck? Whereas me, that's the first time I heard it and I like that. And then I can still go back and appreciate the heaviness of the earlier stuff, but it doesn't offend me. Like how right. how when this came out, this offended me because I you know, I wasn't as early on as you guys, but I loved Metallica when they were a thrash band and when they became a mainstream metal band, I felt hurt. You know, yep. you know like they abandoned me. Like, yep. They 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 forsook me, you know, forsaken me for the almighty dollar, and I yep. and I took it personal, you know. And you hold bands sacred, like when when you and two other guys know about it and nobody else does, you just feel like you know this cool the coolest secret on the planet, right? And, and nobody is as cool as you and your buddy because you were there in the beginning. And then when this happens, you know, not with every band, but with a lot of bands, I feel that way. It's like, ah, you know, fuck you. I was there back in the day. Exactly. And, and like we said, we were there when it was dangerous to wear a Metallica shirt. When right. You, when you were a real dirtbag. And now it's like it's perfectly acceptable for anybody. You know, like Miley Cyrus could wear a Metallica shirt. Nobody bats an eye. But in the 80s, you were an outcast if you dare wear a shirt that said that, you know? Totally. And, and you're totally on point there, Ian, because, like, uh, 
it is very important when somebody comes in at the age of a certain time in music and, and stuff because when when you're into a band and they're not they haven't I mean like Metallica got pretty big Justice for All people seem to forget was a pretty big fucking hit one oh, yeah. was everywhere you oh, know yeah. but it was still like we're having a blast and the rest of the world don't know about it and I think that's kind of the appeal to heavy metal anyway you know what I mean like it's like the it's it's like Rob Zombie said in Sam Dunn's uh, Metal: A Headbanger's Journey. It's like the biggest fucking thing on the planet, but nobody fucking knows about it. And there is a lot of truth to that, you know. Like we're part of a club, a brotherhood, um, and it's it's it's. I don't want to use the word sacred, but yeah, I'm gonna fucking say it. It's a sacred bond almost. And um, when when you feel like I, I'll tell you another case of where I felt betrayed. Now, this is going to be weird coming from somebody my age, but people have to remember, um, I got in a kiss when I was five fucking years old. Okay, my older brother, thank God for older brothers, he brought home Kiss Alive. That album literally changed my life, okay? After that, he bought Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, and so forth, okay? So by the time Dynasty came out, and I heard I was made for loving you, I felt betrayed by that song. Now, I like the rest of the album, especially the Ace Frehley songs, but that was my first time where me and my older brother's faith and kiss got shaken. And then, of course, they released Unmasked, and, well, you know, the rest is history. But at the time, you know, yeah, we were like, fucking disco, what the fuck? You know, like, we didn't like it at all. Now I can listen to it, and I'm like, oh, it's not bad. But at the time, I hated it. Fucking hated it. All right. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good correlation. You, you, a dynasty and the Black Album are very similar to that. I mean, well, I, I, think, I didn't yeah. like. I was made for loving you, but I was such a big Ace Frehley fan at that time. Right. And I did buy uh, Dynasty. I mean, I was because you know I was hoping the rest would be good, and then when I heard Two Thousand Man and. But, and, but uh, Ace saves time. that record, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, no, no. I, but I, I love now all the songs. Even I Was Made For Loving You, I, it's my least favorite song on the album, but I appreciate it more now right. than I did back then. Because back then, I used to have a shirt. It had a disco ball blowing up with a skull inside and said, Death Before <laughs> Disco. You know, it, I was all about, fuck disco. Now I love ABBA. You know, it's like right, right. You know, I'm a big ABBA fan too, man. Yeah. I think they're amazing. Well, so in about ten years from now, you'll see me like running around, fucking raising limb biscuit. By the way, uh, just to go back on this episode, there's been so many times Ian said, "I love cock rock," and I'm gonna edit the rock part out. <laughs> It's going to take a long time to edit this show. See, the joy of editing. <laughs> and then I'm going to take that rock out and I'm going to add it to every time I actually said I love cock on this show. <laughs> I fucking love uh, you guys, man. Uh, well, we love you too, brother. Why, why don't you go to the next one, man? Why don't you go into, uh, ooh, nothing else matters. Oh, yeah, nothing else matters, including their fucking integrity, okay? <laughs> I mean, this song fucking sucks. Huge demon cock. Slow and boring, and I would rather, seriously, I would rather listen to two dogs fucking than listen to this fucking truck. Oh, come on, dude. Next. Don't make it sound like two dogs fucking is a bad thing. Right. Yeah. 
It's called now, a, be- a better way of saying it's <laughs> cats fucking. That's you know what? You're right. You're right. Cats yeah. fucking is like a Yoko Ono album. Yeah. You're right. You know what? You're right. I would rather listen to two cats fucking. Yeah. Even. I, I, I think two cats fucking was a B side on Cold Lake. <laughs> I love I love hearing dogs fucking, especially when they're fucking me. <laughs> All right, Ralph. <laughs> Hey, let me ask you guys something. Is it wrong that I want to see a girl fuck a dog in front of me? Uh, that's what, is that wrong? I, uh, I, I, I worked with a guy. <laughs> I, I worked with a guy who was dating this really nasty girl. And he said uh, she's blowing him, right? So they're naked on the bed. She's blowing him. And his dog came up because, you know, she's got, you know, ass up. You know, she's between his legs sucking his cock. And ass spread on the bed. Said his dog jumped up and started humping her. And the girl looked at him, and he looked at her, and he goes, let him do it. Oh! And, and, and he said the dirty bitch let, let the dog keep going and start sucking his dick. Oh, he, goes, he goes, that's the dirtiest bitch ever. He goes, but I love that dog. <laughs> hey, can, can your friend get me her number? <laughs> yeah, no hey, shit. Hey, he's in Florida. <laughs> hey, there you go. I got a funny story, too, talking about dogs. Uh, there, um... There was a guy I knew who lived in Hialeah that, uh, you know, um, Hialeah, Florida, by the way, for those that know. Uh, later on in life, uh, uh, we, uh, Vanilla Ice, the rapper, that guy, he was from Miami. And he was from, uh, and I could have sworn this is the guy, because there was a guy we knew that a friend of mine caught him. I forgot, dude, I can't remember if he was sucking the dog dick or something. He was doing something with a dog. And uh, later on, we thought that was the guy that was Vanilla Ice. And I was running around going, dude, that guy, Vanilla Ice, used to fuck his dog. I knew him back then. And then then we established it wasn't Vanilla Ice. And then my buddy said, yeah, but don't don't say that to anybody. Keep yeah. saying it, you know. Oh, All right, so that's our dog fucking portion of our song. <laughs> you know, and, and look, and this is actually a true story. And I don't, I don't have to mention her name. This just happened this past Saturday, exactly a week ago. Um, I was talking to this girl on on the phone, and she's like, you know, talk, it, you know, we were talking about sex and this and that. And then, uh, you know, and I was, you know, I'm not going to get into details, but I was telling her vile shit I have done. <laughs> and, and I mean, I, I told her like the most vilest thing I'd done, which is really bad. And then she wanted to like, you know, like show me that she was just as vile as me. So she said, oh, well, you know, I, I wanted my dog to lick my pussy, but it wouldn't do it. So that me being this, <laughs> me, me being this sick, demented fuck that I am. Like, out of nowhere, I said to her, you know what you should do? Put beater butter on it. (laughs) (laughs) And I told her to put peanut butter on her vagina. She did and told me it worked. (laughs) Oh, my fucking God. That's great, dude. It's like my grandmother always said. You could lead a dog to pussy. But, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So then, you know, and then after she did that, she had a dog lick her pussy and shit. I said to her, oh, would you blow a dog? She's like, ew. I go, oh, what a prude. (laughs) <laughs> what song are we on now <laughs> I, I don't even remember dude I think we were talking about nothing else matters I, I think we've still never even got into the song that is true <laughs> Hey, nothing else matters except if I can find a girl that can blow a dog oh in front. my god this, this, this. <laughs> alright Ralph exactly. what do you think of this gem 
oh, this shit is fucking terrible. <laughs> I, 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 you know, it's like, dude, you guys aren't a band that does ballads. And then it's like, but, but, okay, I'll prove you wrong. We'll do another one. Then they did one called Mama Says. Oh. It's like, all right, all right, come on, man. Come on, stop oh. it. Anyway, the acronym for for, <laughs> for nothing else matter is NEM. And you know what NEM means? NEM means we're a record company and we're going to rip off Black Sabbath. Uh, uh, true story. That's a true story. Thank you, yeah. Uh, this oh, song ripped off Black Sabbath. Oh, my God. Honey-wise. Um, I, I hate this song. And unfortunately, uh, this is what comes to mind when I think of the Black Album. I think of this even before Inner Sandman. Uh, just, just fucking horrible. It was the third single, and this is the debut of Hetfield the Crooner. You know, like where he wanted to be like a serious singer. Like yeah. I, I, I love Hetfield's voice on the early albums. Yes. He, he, but you know who can outdo Hetfield as Hetfield is Chuck Billy. Chuck Billy can still, man. I mean, you know, we, we talked earlier about how Testament did kind of sound a lot like Metallica, but you know, Hetfield. I mean, uh, Chuck Billy does the best Hetfield, but he can still do it. Where yep. Hetfield really can't, but he got to this point where it's like he wants to be a serious crooner, and it's like kind of countryish, like like is you know, is, is yeah, this, yeah, is is this fucking Waylon Jennings or what? And right, it, and it, this reminds me like this shit would carry on to what's that hor- hero of the day, you know? Oh, you know, I know. Oh, dude. no, hor- well, horrible shit like that, man. Yeah, and my older brother, you know, Dave, um, he's always like, you know, he said that that he noticed what it started with the black album, but it got really bad with the albums after, like. He calls it like an Eeyore voice. It's like, oh, he, oh, he, oh, you like the way he sings. It's like, oh, and it's the fucking truth, man. It's just like, and he still does it even with Death Magnetic. Like Death Magnetic. I, I, I know Ralph's gonna laugh at me. There's only two songs that I don't like, and that's that uh, Tomorrow Never Comes and, mm-hmm. and and Unforgiven Three. But both of those songs, in my opinion. That's him doing the crooner voice, and I'm like, you know what? Just give that dog some peanut butter already. Yeah, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Ralph, what do you think of of Wolf and Man? Oh, this one's really good. I always kind of liked this, even the you know, first time I heard it was one of the tracks. I was like, all right, this one's not bad. Well, uh, hearing it now again, like after these years, it's fucking great. I think it's a one of the better tracks on the album. It's uh. It just has a great... I love... You know what I love? I love almost every fucking song I hear Siren in. I, I'm trying to think... I mean, I know uh, Escape from the Islands, one of them. Um, War Pigs. I mean, when I hear like an air siren to metal, you were just talking how you don't like fucking orchestras. With me, I love air sirens in metal songs. <laughs> hmm. And this one has it like midway through the song. I love the riff. Back to the meaning, back to the meaning, bam, bam, life. It's got, I mean, that riffage is cool. James Hetfield is an amazing rhythm player, probably the best in the business. And uh, and I really do like, I love this song. I think it's a really fucking good song. Uh, I digs it. What do you think, Mike? Uh, it's not bad. Uh Like, I hated it, again, like much of everything. When it first came out, I didn't like it at all. It's... It's yeah, it's pretty good. I, I'm not like fucking. Oh yeah, I love this song or anything. But uh, 
Yeah, um, solid fucking song. You know, uh, one of the better tracks on the album, which, you know, isn't saying a whole lot to me because, um, yeah. But, yeah, not bad. All That's right. about all I got to say about it, you know. Take take the soda with you in the bathroom, Mike. <laughs> oh, damn, Ralph. <laughs> uh, Ian. All right. Uh, I like a good song. It reminds me of the movie Wolfen that I saw at the drive-in when I was a kid because that was a movie that deal, you know, shapeshifters. And so that's the first time I ever heard the term, you know, shapeshift. And I, every time I hear this song, I think of the movie Wolfen. And uh, not bad. Not bad. I, not, not the best song, but I mean, compared to a lot of the other shit, like the previous song. Right, but, uh, right. But, uh, you know, at least there's no, there's no woodwinds, there's no violins. You know, you know, and, and a siren. But you know what else I hate? I hate when you're on a date with a girl, and uh, you know Chris Williams shows up. You know, and uh, you know <laughs> the the rest of the To Catch a Predator crew. That ruins oh, shit. Oh shit! Yeah. You know, it's you know, funny oh, you should say that. Uh, my buddy Matt, who's on the show with me last night, he just kept. Uh, you know, talking about this girl and that girl, and I mean, some of them are gonna. Yeah, I'm like, dude, I'm not gonna fucking see you on Dateline one of these times. <laughs> you know, and he he just started laughing. Kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> oh fuck, because sometimes I worry about him. <laughs> All right. Awesome. All right. What's next? The next song is "The God That Failed." Who wants to take this one? Uh, I guess I will. Um, All right. This is my favorite track off the album. I've always loved this one, even back in the day. I remember the on first listen, I was like, now nah, this is a cool tune. Maybe because I was happy there was bass again in a Metallica song. And uh, they didn't play it live. But then when I saw that, you know, Metallica kind of did, it was kind of like a shortish type tour. It was, uh, I believe it was for the live Binge and Purge album. And that was the greatest Metallica set list ever. They played Disposable Heroes. Oh, God, I love that song. Yeah, and that was the first time I saw them do that, and Orion, and all this. And, and, the, and look, at the, look at the lineup. It was Fight, Suicidal Tendencies, Candlebox, and Metallica. Wow. Yeah, Candlebox. Can you believe it? And, and, we, and we got Candlebox because Allison Chains canceled because... Lane Stanley had to go to rehab. Hey, hey, it's only a few years later. Days of the New were open up for him, so don't get me started. Yeah. Candlebox, come on, dude. That, uh, that shit's horrible. That shit's bad, dude. That shit's so bad that well, I don't even want to go there. That fucking shit, atrocious. No, it's fucking. And and I saw it, you know, because it was it was actually fight open the show, which by the way, fight did victim of changes that day. Oh, uh, nice. This was awesome. And the encore from Metallica, Rob Hoffer came out and they played Rapid Fire. No nice. shit. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was an and actually you can hear that on YouTube. Somebody uh, there's an audio of it from the Miami show. Anyway, so um, I love that night. Fight. That night they played uh, the God that failed, which was oh man, I was like because I always loved that song. So and let me tell you, man, that's a song that sounds way better even live. And I don't understand why they don't fucking add that to the. So fuck for who, whatever, wherever I may roam. This this should have been a single. This should, but then again, I mean, what do I know, man? Forever I may roam did good for them, but I think this song is just so fucking good. It's about James Hetfield's childhood with the 
What was that shit his mom was into? Uh, uh, Christian uh, science, yeah, right? She was a Christian scientist. Yes. Uh, yeah, this, this song is about... This song is about Christian science and what he went through, and you know, and that and that, that religion. If you're sick, you don't go to the hospital. You don't right. take medicine. You don't go and to the doctor. She had cancer, and she would. Yeah, and his, yeah, and his, his mom. Yeah, his mom got cancer, refused to treat and died. And I think this song is pretty much about that, you know. And uh, it's a heavy, heavy subject matter, heavy song. This is like something that, let me tell you, to me, uh, the God that failed. It's just as good as anything Metallica did in the 80s. This is the one song that like glows off the fucking white album, uh, the black album. This is the one song that I can, I have to say is it's just as good as anything they did before in the 80s. And uh, I love it. I think it's a, it's a phenomenal song, actually. And it's kind of weird how it's a deep track, you know? Well, that's what I think of it. All right. Well, um, I'll say... It's funny because this is how we picked where you and me would argue, and then we agree on our favorite track. It's definitely my favorite track. Yeah, there, there, this was a shitty album to fucking review to, to argue because we haven't done it yet. Right. Well, I thought I thought I was gonna hate it a lot more than I did. Like I said, I haven't listened to this thing. Well, it's too know. bad you did. You shouldn't have listened to it. <laughs> but uh. I love, now, this was the first song that was played for fans. This is the first thing that anybody heard off this album. They did like a special preview where, you know, fans won. I believe it was a contest. And uh, they played this song. And I love it. And I think, I mean, I could be wrong. And this is just speculation. But maybe the reason you don't hear it is maybe it's like such a personal song that it's hard for him to play. Because I'm sure it's not a it's not a great memory. You know, and... Uh, but man, what a great fucking song. And uh, I, I love it. I agree with the lyrics. It's t- it reminds me of the, you know, this great Facebook meme that I saw where it said, uh, you know, you, you never see psychics win the lottery the same way you never see a faith healer in a hospital. You know, it, like it's bullshit. You know, and, uh, and it's sad that he had to see his mother, you know, just die because of this belief that they wouldn't, except science and real medicine and yeah you know i'm sure that has a lot to do with it it's a very heartfelt song and it comes across not only musically but lyrically uh i, I find it very moving and, and just very um uh, important like i listen to it and i i get into it i'm like yeah you know it's, it's it just it's got that chug it's got that beat and and i love the lyrics and i love the sediment i think it's awesome my favorite song on the album what do you think mike I hope Mike hates it, man. This is getting lame. <laughs> oh, wow. I fucking hate it. It sucks. It's the worst fucking Metallica <laughs> song ever. Take uh, your soda in the fucking bathroom, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I like this song. I It's the best song off the album. I fucking totally agree with you guys on this one. I mean, um, you can tell it's a very personal song for James. Um, and yeah, it's, in my opinion, it's the best song on the album. All right. Uh, what's the so, next one after that? So leave my goddamn soda alone, Ralph. All right. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> all right the next song is My Friend in Misery. Ralph, why oh. don't you take this? This one is boring. Uh, I, I didn't like this one. Um, yeah. it's. It, it, I, I really don't have much to say about it. It's just, it, it's like, it's screen filler. You know, I think this is something that they were... 
hey man, let's just, you know, I'm out of ideas. Let's use that one song that wasn't good enough. That's what I get out of the song. I'm just... Uh, but, but, <laughs> something you guys don't know about this song <laughs> is that uh, the acronym for it is M-F-O-M. Yes. Y'all know what that means, right? I, I have no idea. <laughs> Many fuck on mom. And that's about Ian's mom. Nice. nice. Yeah. Many fuck on mom. I, I, uh, I noticed this was on her playlist. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this song is, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's cool. The, the one good thing about this song, it, it has misery in the title. <laughs> because it is miserable. All, All right. right, not everything I say is comedy gold. <laughs> I'm winging it here. I it's, hope one of you like it. I fucking hated it, man. Aw. I thought it sucked. I you know thought. what? You know what, Mike, dude? You're pissing me off. You're agreeing with me too much. I don't give a fuck. Give me your soda. I don't care if you agree with me. Pass me your soda. Uh, all right. Um, this is the longest song on the album and the only one that has a co-write by Jason Newstead. I don't hate it as much as you guys, but I, I do agree it's filler. Uh, but, uh, you know, I would much rather hear this song that nothing else matters, or oh well, yeah, or unforgiven, or anything like that. But it is, it is a filler track. If if the rest of this album was more up to par, it wouldn't sound as bad as it does. And not in my opinion that it sounds bad, but it's just uh, to me this album. You know, the last two songs really limp out. But uh, I'll tell you what, I definitely like it better than the next song, which is the struggle within. I I think this is. Not the worst song on the album, but the most forgettable song on the album. I mean, this one is like, I had to listen to it twice to even take notes. And and I don't even have anything witty or funny to say. This is just like a real limp noodle way to end the album. What do you think, Mike? Well, let me see. My notes, I got another faster paced song. Well, faster than most tracks from this album. And then I put, there's just something missing and let's be fucking real. That's something that's Cliff Burton. And that's pretty much all I got. I just, it, it again, it's mediocre at best. I'm sorry, this album just doesn't fucking do it for me. I mean, yeah, it just doesn't. Yeah, that's all I got, man. It's just, well, you want my um, soda, Ralph? Well, well, let me say what, what I uh, think of the song. Um, uh, I like this one. This is another one that I discovered recently, listening to the full album. And uh, Ian, are you here? Yes. All right. And um, I really like this this song a lot. I think it's a good way to end the album. Yeah, well, uh, it's we got, disagree. Yeah, we disagree. And, and me and Mike disagree. So both of you, I want to talk about the acronym to this tune. Oh, the acronym to this Here we go. The, the acronym to this is SW. You know what that means? TSW, yes. What's that? Well, I'm taking the T out, okay? Oh, okay. It's uh, your soda, I'm going to whiz in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He's going he's gonna to make you drink it through a hurricane straw, too. <laughs> oh, man. Just for effect. <laughs> ah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's the end of the album. But hey, you guys want to talk about those bonus tracks? 
Oh, what's the bonus tracks? Uh, first one, So What? Anti-Nowhere League. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I, I like that one. That's the best fucking song on the fucking whole thing. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah I, agree I love it. I agree there. I love that song. And uh, when I the last time I saw them, they actually opened with this song on the load tour. They actually yeah. opened with So What, which was oh, pretty oh, wild. Oh, wow. Opened with it. Holy they shit. They opened yeah. with it, yeah. Uh, let me ask you this while, while you're talking about bonus tracks. Because uh, I'm so hazy at this point. I'm pretty drunk and uh, I can't even get on Wikipedia. Uh... Brett Fan and The Prince were both of those. Those were Injustice. B-sides. Yeah, those were Justice B sides. This uh, one, I like was So What, So What, and Killing Time, which is a Sweet Savage cover, which featured uh, Vivian Campbell. He was in Sweet Savage. Oh, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard that. Oh yeah, that's uh, you never heard Killing Time? I don't think so. Okay, they, they, yeah. Oh, it's great, dude. It's fucking awesome. It's you know a new wave of British heavy metal band. Well, no, I know it, Sweet Savage. But I mean, I, I mean, I no, no, no. I right. didn't mean to say band because I know right. you're aware of them. What I meant to say is a new wave of British heavy metal song. It's got that vibe. It's very heavy metal, like what you would expect from. Uh, and it's really good. It's fucking awesome. Um, cool. I, 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 I could be wrong, but damn, isn't that shit on Garage Inc? I thought they put all the B-sides on that thing. Uh, it, it might be, but to tell you the truth, I'm going to be dead honest with you. I never bought Garage Inc. because I had Garage re-revisited. And I have it on download, but I don't think I've ever listened to it. Yeah, I believe uh, that that disc, like disc one or disc two, whichever one has like that starts with Am I Evil or has Am I Evil on it, has all the B-sides like So What and Bread Fan and... You know, all that shit, you know, is all on that that stuff. Which, by the way, uh, and it's not really getting off the subject, uh, Metallica is releasing um, uh, Ride the Lightning. Is it right? Yeah, Ride the Lightning with uh, all this bonus shit. Same no, with them all, too, right? Yeah, I think all three of them, right? I think even... I haven't heard about there. Masters, but I know the yeah. first two for sure. All right, well, I have on vinyl... Um, the Whiplash uh, single, and the flip side of that has Phantom Lord and Seek and Destroy live, which it's actually not live. It's you know them recorded with a live noise on it, and this release they're gonna have is gonna have more of that really? fake live, fake live shit. Yeah, I saw it on one of the bonus discs, and it's gonna have also the Kill 'Em All one is bringing the complete show. Yeah. Of- from Kill 'Em All, that one, that pro shot, where you know the part where fucking uh, uh, James Hetfield holds up the album, ah, we're gonna kill all you posers tonight, and all that shit, and Kill 'Em All, and somebody steals fucking uh, Kurt's guitar, dude, that's a killer show, and I'm like, holy shit, they're releasing it. The bad part of that show is like, saw the description, the first couple songs doesn't have audio. Oh, oh, bomber. Oh, man. Uh, that sucks. And Ralph, yeah. just to let you know, I just looked at my copy of uh, Garage Inc., and it does have Killing Time, so I'm going to check that out. Right. Yeah, it's me a, too, It's man. a great, heavy, fast song. Right. It's awesome. And so, yeah, uh, to me, those two B-sides are better than every song on the album, with the, with the exception of God That Failed. And, and I did see that they are also doing a uh, remaster of Reload, and it has the original demo for Unskinny Bop. Oh, shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm going to check that out, too. I don't even get me started on those albums. And it has has an electric version 
of something to believe in. So I'm gonna. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna check that out. You know the acronym for something to believe in, right? <laughs> no, I've never heard that. <laughs> now neither do I. <laughs> I'm all out of acronyms tonight. All righty. Well, this album was released August 12, 1991. Uh, this was the beginning of the Bob Rock era, for better or for worse. Uh, for me, I believe the worst. But you cannot argue with success. This has gone on to, to sell, in just the U.S. alone, 16 million copies. Holy mackerel. Uh, yes, that's just the U.S. This is the biggest selling album of the SoundScan era, which I believe began around 1990. This came out in 91. And, but and I, I gotta say something. I just read this, I literally, like maybe even less than a week ago, that the Black Album to this day still sells about 3,000 copies a week or something for that matter. Did you read this? No, wow. I, I, I did not see that, but I believe it. And, and this is something that I'm happy about, but I'm sad about at the same time. Uh, this past year, 2015, is the first year in history where old music has outsold new releases. Right. When, when they, they take in total of overall sales, past music, specifically 70s uh, music, has outsold current music. And, you know, from what I hear today, man, I, I, I can see why. And that's sad. But at the same time, it's refreshing because to me, what's coming out currently is terrible for the most part. It is. And no, it, but you, and, and you didn't. I, I don't know if you read this part, and this made me very happy because I was I was very proud. But all that old music that's selling the top artists, all that old music that's still selling more than any artist today and in the past, Millie Vanilli. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, Fuck yeah. Yeah, that, 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 you know, back when you could trust who's singing the song. That's right. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, no, you know, auto, no auto tune there. You know why they're awesome? Because they won the Grammy. That's right. They, oh, Jesus. Uh, uh, that's Grammy. how I judge music. Whoever uh, wins the Grammy, that's good music. A true sign of artistic integrity. I'll never forget when Information Society won Best New Artist in 1986. It was pure energy. I got into metal through the Grammys. Uh, my first metal band I got into was Jethro Tull. That's right. It, <laughs> it was Songs from the Wood, my favorite cock rock album. <laughs> <laughs> See, right there, I'm going to edit fucking rock. My favorite cock. My favorite cock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he's going to mix it in and be like, yum, yum, eat it up. I love that shit. <laughs> this, is what I, this is how I'm going to edit it. You're going to be like, yeah, Jethro Tull, my favorite cock. Yeah. Oh, man. It would. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey keep, keep laughing, Mike Tyler. I don't know what he's going to do to you. Oh, who <laughs> knows, man? You're going to have, oh, you're gonna uh, have a piss-filled soda in every song. I probably will. I probably will. All Ouch. right. Well, there's no denying uh, how big this album was. Oh, and, definitely. And and something, you know, we talked about in the news a couple weeks ago. Uh, I believe it was uh, the incredibly crazy uh, Marty Freeman who said this is probably the most important album in all of metal. And in a way, I actually do have to agree with him. It's not my favorite, but this is something that definitely brought metal to the mainstream, and you can't argue with the sales 
and how many people who normally wouldn't listen to this type of music embrace this album. So uh, it by no means is my favorite, but you cannot deny the impact that, the, that this had. And and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. It's not my favorite, but. It, it is an important record. I will agree on that. It's an extremely important record as far as the growth of metal. It made it more mainstream, more popular. Yes. Uh, if, if Metallica released another Justice for All in that album, Metallica would, and it's still big, but Metallica would be kind of like an Iron Maiden today. Right. It'd and, still be playing big places, but not the same impact. You know? Right. Because uh, Iron Maiden doesn't have a 16 million selling record. Right, and, and, you know, and another important thing to bring up is this blew up at the beginning of grunge, when every other band, you know, you know, all the cock rock bands, and even a lot of the traditional bands, you know, traditional metal bands that we loved, fell by the wayside because of the backlash just of cock rock. Uh, edit that, uh, you, you know, you know, Metallica still rose to the top. You know, That's true. While, while everything switched over to. You know, Nine Inch Nails, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Nirvana. This album was still selling like fucking hotcakes, and, and and didn't suffer the repercussions that while, of course, Cock Rock by that point became Nelson and stuff like that. But still, artists like Dio and Iron Maiden were hurting. Yeah, and Judas Priest, they were all hurting because no matter what they were, they were categorized as Cock Rock. Right. There, there you go again, Ralph. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yet, it, it all suffered. The the only one who came out unscathed was Metallica. And uh, what, what really pisses me off, though, about this era, though, is when they rose to this top where they could do no wrong, I really wished they had the power. They could have done anything. You know, they always say, like, oh, merciful fate meant everything to us. Well, how come at this time you didn't take Merciful Fate out as an opening band? You took Fucking a, exactly. You you took out bands like Day, Days of the New and Candlebox. You had the power, just by your name alone, you could have took out any band that you believed in and exposed them to a wider audience. But, Pantera did. But they went even further. You know, like, there, there's something you mentioned Pantera. I'll give Skid Row all the respect in the world. They took out Pantera to open up for them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a very dangerous move. A very dangerous move, but they did it. Fucking Metallica went the total other direction and picked the safest, you know, the biggest chart toppers who are, you know, you know, don't forget after that it was Limp Biscuit and Corn. Right. Opening up for Metallica. When like, oh, all these bands you paid tribute to, you could have took out Diamond Head. Could took out first of all fate. All these bands that you pledge allegiance to, or any of the other big four who were suffering, you could have lent a helping hand. Sure. But they they distance themselves the same way like fucking Bon Jovi. Like Bon Jovi, uh, this is something I heard on uh, on D Snyder's podcast, which we outlasted by the way. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast has lost. He gave up Rock and Metal Podcast. Rock and Metal Combat still going strong. But anyway, he mentioned he was trying to do a benefit for uh, for victims of the uh, the Great White Fire. You know, all, all the fans that were burned and stuff like that. Yeah. All these kids were left orphaned and shit. So he's 
D. Snyder and uh, Troy, the the uh, drummer from uh, Tesla, were trying to do a benefit concert, and they're trying to reach out. And all that that signed up were other here you go, Ralph, cock rock bands. And he's like, we need a bigger band, you know. He's like, we need somebody like Bon Jovi or Bruce Springsteen. They all turned it down. And Bon Jovi said the reason why they turned it down is they will not play with any 80s bands. Because they, they because John Bon Jovi wants to distance himself so much from that scene that he turned down doing a benefit show to help fucking orphans and fucking burn victims. Because he wants to distance himself from that shit so much. And I know I'm going off topic here, but... To a degree, Metallica did that same thing. They turned their back on all these other metal bands to pick whoever was top 40 on the charts in this era to go out with them. And and I find that disgusting. Yes, I agree. Ralph, do you, do you, do you have an opinion on this? Well, um, bottom line is Bon Jovi has always been phony. That's why I call him Bon Phony. Even yeah, from I the fucking bon get-go. Even from the get-go. They were just sucks. He's always sucked. Right. I always stuck, and I've always found him a phony. And if glam and I love cock rock was still <laughs> was still around, I'm not editing that um, because I don't I don't love cock rock. Yeah. I love cock. <laughs> <laughs> but but my point is, if cock rock was still popular and the end thing, Bon Jovi would have played that show because he's a phony. Right. But cock rock is a joke now. To the, right. his buddies and his masses and the industry, that of course he's not going to want to be associated with this band because it's not in flavor anymore. He's not going to put little pink, uh, what is it, silver streaks in his hair. Right. And uh, you know, it's just. But but I'm but, saying but, I, I'm saying to help people. It, it, no, it, no, I was getting to that right. point. The 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 point is is that this is not this has nothing to do with playing with glam band. This is like a benefit to help these burn victims and these orphans and everything. And he is so strongly against being associated with bands that he was, I'm sorry, but uh, what what bands wanted to do it? Like maybe like a firehouse, right? Or- oh, oh, well, th- that's the only bands that would sign up. And Dean knew, he said, he goes, look, with these bands, we're going to get a limited audience. He goes, we needed that like bigger band to get the most money. And I, I know, Ralph, dude, if it was a cause you believed in, you would play with fucking Nelson if you knew. What do you, dude? Dude, I would play with a new metal band today for free. I don't care. Right. You put. You can bring up the shittiest band in the world, and I will play that fucking show right. because I don't give a fuck who I play with because I'm not a phony. Right, but I'm saying you would do that for the cause because you got a good heart. And but and here's people who could help people. And I, I, I like I said, I know I'm getting off topic, but Metallica could have helped other true metal bands and they turn their back and, and then that, oh, that totally. was despised yeah hey man it, hey for a benefit i'd open for a band that features sammy hagar scott wyland <laughs> fucking bobby blotzer and and on bass uh the guy from duran duran <laughs> john taylor oh, fuck. <laughs> you know uh, man, so it's, you know but yeah, so with, I, with Ricky Rackman hosting. Oh, <laughs> fuck Ricky Rackman. God, I hate that guy. Hey, hey, who else do you want? I remember when Adam Curry used to host that Oh, he balls. sucked, well, too. Well, Adam Curry was horrible, and he wasn't a metal guy in anything, but 
But I still found him more genuine than Ricky Rackman, <laughs> who was a metal guy. Oh, and, oh, here's, and, and here's something that you guys will find interesting. Go ahead. Adam Curry, I, 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 I could be wrong, but I believe he he's the guy that invented Google. Yeah, and this is, I'm, no, no, I'm no, not no, you're, you're right. I, I'm not sure. I know. Was he, it Google? I know it was a real big. Yeah, he uh, did. He did something like that. Like he's a millionaire now. He's a trillionaire. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah because he yeah. discovered like, and maybe it ain't Google, but he discovered something so huge yeah, that yeah. everybody uses on the internet. Dude, I could be wrong, but I really do think it was Google. No, I think you're. It's some kind of search engine or something. I I do believe you're right. It might not be good, but it's something like that. You're absolutely he's, right. He's filthy rich. Right now. Right. And, and you know he let fucking Cannibal Corpse open up for a benefit, and I like that about him. You know. And, oh, and 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 oddly enough, Ricky Rackman's not doing too bad. He was just uh, promoted to manager of Burger King. That's right. <laughs> That's right. He started out on fries, and now he's a night shift manager. Yeah, he's night shift man. You know. <laughs> oh, here's a little. I want to bring this up. It's off topic. But you guys ever seen that Vince Neil porn? Yes. Yeah. Uh, what was her name? Janine or something like that? Oh, yeah. Janine Lundelmeyer? Lennon Mueller. Yeah. Okay. That girl, when that video was filmed of Vince Neil fucking her, she was uh, Ricky Rackman's girlfriend at that time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but you know what's even funnier is not only that, but she was married to another guy, too. <laughs> well, there you go. So, you know, she cheated on Ricky Rackman and it was filmed and Vince Neil was plowing her. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, that's another. That's another reason to love Vince Neil. I know a lot of people don't love Vince Neil. What is it that Vince Neil did recently? Oh no, it was Dee Snyder. Yeah, said that horrible thing. But uh, you know, and I'm getting off topic here for a second. But Vince Neil has raised millions and millions of dollars for children's yep. cancer, and he fucked Ricky Rackman's girlfriend. I mean, the guy's a total class. Right. Hey, hey he shouldn't be in jail for killing the drummer from Hanoi Rocks. He should be in jail for that porno because that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I, I, I feel you, man. You know, I mean, I love Dee Snyder and I love Twisted Sister, but I don't know, man. Here lately, he's just been really fucking snarky. Yeah, it, like, it really, it really does hurt me because I, I, I love Dee Snyder and yeah, and and that whole thing about conventional uh, murder. If you really read the whole article, he's just talking about how jealous he is that. Motley Crue can be famous being all drug addicts, but he didn't get right. that far being a straight person. Right. So it paid more to be a drug addict than you know. And then he, and you hear that anger by him saying, "Yeah, this guy's a murderer." Right. Uh, I'll tell you another one that killed me because I listened to his podcast and I I really enjoyed his podcast, and he did not one but two specials dealing with Lemmy's death, and both episodes. All it turned into is how much Lemmy loved Motorhead. I mean, uh, Lemmy loved Twisted Sister and how great Twisted Sister was. And I'm like, dude, you, you know, it's like this ain't the time or the place. You're supposed to talk about Lemmy, not how much Twisted Sister is great. I think I think he must be going through some fucking fucked up shit to be so angry all of a sudden. He's becoming yeah. like Paul Stanley. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's and then that's funny because they just had that feud. Uh, yeah, and it said I, I I love D and D is inspirational, but uh, yeah, he's turning into that get off my lawn kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, and it's fucked up too because I mean I don't know why, but it was like Twisted Sister. I think the first three albums were fucking awesome. Right. Still, oh, yeah. still think they're fucking classics to this fucking day. But man, 
I mean, he. I ain't gonna lie. He lost me. Was come out and play. It's like they did that album, and for whatever reason, they weren't able to overcome it. Like some bands can fucking fumble the ball and and kind of move on, and and and, and I, but he couldn't. Yeah, you know, maybe you that's know. why he's pissed off is because Motley Crue kind of went all. Well, you know, I I didn't oh, yeah. care much for theater pain and girls, 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 and all that, but for some reason. They but, blew up, and but, Twisted Sister didn't. No, I agree. It's like, hey, asshole, you're the guy that wrote Be Cruel to My School. I should be mad at you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or fucking, and then that horrible leader of the pack. Oh, the leader, oh, of, the pack, leader of the pack is what killed them. And, the, and, right. and what he thought, this was his mentality at the time. Uh, leader of the pack was a big hit for Twisted Sister in the club days. Because right. they used to play it in the clubs, and people loved it. And, it was, and also had that vinyl, Rough Cuts. Well, it's actually on there. It's, when right. when they recorded Under the Blade, they did record during those sessions, Leader of the Pack, and they put it out on Rough Cut, and it became kind of like an underground uh, favorite to the hardcore early Twisted Sister. I fans. did not know that. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, then again, that was in the seventies. By the eighties, it wasn't as cool. But what? But I'm he looking- didn't. He didn't think that. What he thought yeah. was. How the fans loved it back then, he can translate it now with better production right. and get the same reaction. Right. But what I will say, hey, I met D. Snyder in person. He did an ID for the show. He couldn't have been a nicer guy, so I'll never take that away from him. He was super nice and, you know, like I said, did an awesome intro for the show. Yep. So, I yeah. met him as well. I met yeah. him as well. Yeah, and yeah. He, was, he was very nice to me. Yeah, and, and I met him before that and got his autograph. I have his autograph on Come Out and Play where you open up the vinyl and it's him coming out of the manhole. He signed that. So I, yeah. I, I, I do love him, but lately, uh, yeah, he's coming out crotchety and how the fuck we got there from the black album, I'll never know. So, <laughs> why? But you got you got you got to again. Uh, just to go back to Vince Neil for a second, the okay. whole thing, that whole jealousy of it, it's like it's horrible because it's manslaughter. It's not murder. Murder is by intent. You know, you got to intend to kill somebody. What Vince Neil did that night was stupid. But you know what? Razzle was in the car with him too. He knew how drunk Vince was. They were both stupid. Right. The yeah. real person you can kind of feel bad about were the people that he crippled. Right, right. Yes. In the other car, yes. I yeah, agree. but but Razzle and he again he doesn't deserve to die. But do you really think I mean, come on. Oh, uh I'm Vince Steel from Motley Crue, and you know it'd be cool if I kill this drummer. You know, it's come on, well, I mean, dude. The guy I mean, was his fucking friend for Christ's sake, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's fucking retarded. You know, uh, just that just to say something like that is like you know what I think it is? I think that D. Snyder is just dying for some kind of publicity. Right. And he takes like these interviews to an angle where he says something that's shocking that it'll become a headline on Blabbermouth, you know? Right. Yeah. It's like he's become an attention whore. I right. totally agree, man. Right. And, you know, you know, I don't feel bad for Vince Neil because, you know, I, I mean, because I mean, I mean, he killed somebody, you know. I, I feel bad for Vince Neil because we both look the same now. And, uh, you know, he, oh, killed, he killed somebody on accident, and I killed this podcast on accident. I didn't yeah, mean that, to. Yeah, that is true. I know. I, you're, I, you're right. I, you're right there. I, I, I didn't mean to. It was an accident. You just got in the car with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this podcast is very, it's on shaky ground, I got to tell you. It is on very shaky ground. I've, I've been quiet, but. But anyway, anyway. we're going to come. We're, 
We're gonna, well, I have no comment on any of that, man. Hey, you know? hey, we're gonna I love you guys, and I hope you guys keep doing what uh, you're doing. We're going to come through. We're going to be all right. I don't know, man. After Mike agreed, uh, agreed too much <laughs> with us, I think I'm leaving the show now. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. yeah. yeah Ralph. Uh, right. I don't oh. think I really agreed that much. Mike, uh, Mike ruined this show. Oh, oh, oh at, at least now I can shift the blame and sleep better. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't you, Ian. It's Mike. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to take a hot steam and piss. Mike, you are our guest. Why don't you take pick of the week? Okay, man. Um, my pick of the week is a band that, believe it or not, uh, I don't want to be accused of being a homer, but I'm, fuck it. They're, for, uh, they're called Blackfast. They're from the St. Louis Metro East area. Um, they're a progressive black and thrash band. Um, they got signed to E1 Records uh, a year ago, and they have an album before that, but this one's called Terms of Surrender. It's their first release with E1. If you really like, you know, progressive thrash and, and black, you know, with tinges of black metal, these guys are for you, man. Very fucking solid musicianship. Really cool fucking band. I really dig them. For my money, they're the best band from... Uh, the St. Louis area, and I believe they just finished a tour with Havoc a while back, and a few other bands. So they're kind of on their way. I hope I'm hoping big things for them because they're really, really good. Awesome, awesome. I'll check them out. Uh, my pick, since we are doing a Metallica episode, I wanted to pick something thrashy, but it's not really that old. And the way I discovered this band was we opened for them, and I was floored. They're so good, but they are no longer around, unfortunately. Uh, they have one album out, and it really does. Rem it's kind of like the the millennium millennium's version of Kill 'Em All. Really? The album's, called, the, the album's called Executioner, and the band is called Mantic Ritual. You ever heard of them? Never. No. They Mantic? are um, Mantic Ritual. Where are they from? Uh, I believe they were. I could be wrong, but I believe it was Pennsylvania. Okay, American band then. Okay. Yeah, they were, and they were so good. And that album, I, I guarantee you guys listen to that album, you're going to get really mad that they broke up. Because it's it, it has, I don't know, it reminds me a lot of that Kill 'em All type vibe. And it's really well played. Songs are catchy but killer. It's amazing thrash, but from the newer generation of thrash. But it's not what you'd expect, you know. It's not like you know, like uh, your Toxic Holocaust, uh, Municipal Waste, where it brings a lot of crossover into it. They keep it thrash, and uh, I love this band. I, I actually, uh, they loved us, which was great. And we traded, we traded each other T-shirts, and I have the Mantic Ritual T-shirt that I've refused to wear because I want to preserve that shit forever because they're no longer around. But you know, believe it or not. Uh, uh, I remember when they did break up, and it was on Blabbermouth, and there, it, there was a big outcry of people really upset about it because they did tour. They toured the states. Who was it that I played with them? It was Mantic Ritual, and the headliner was Propane. Okay. So that is my pick of the week: Mantic Ritual Executioner. Check it out if you love the thrash. If you love Kill 'Em All, it doesn't sound like Kill 'Em All. It just got that vibe. So. Give that shit a chance. Where, where can you find it, Ralph? Like, can you buy a hard copy, a physical copy sure, of it? Or? I'm sure it's on Amazon. It was it was on, uh, I can't remember what label. Like, It was kind of like a nuclear blast type label. They weren't on a Bobo label. They were signed. Uh -huh. They were a signed band. And uh, it might have been nuclear blast for all I know. 
I mean, hey, while Ian while Ian says his pick of the week, I'm gonna walk over here and grab the CD. All right, All right man. All right. Uh, well, my pick of the week while we're talking about Metallica is a a band that's definitely a child of Metallica, and that would be Testament. And I'm sticking Fuck with a. I'm sticking with their second album, The New Order. And uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, they love the legacy, and I, I'm one of them, dude. I love the legacy, oh. but but uh, the legacy. You know, a, a lot of that was written with Zetro, and yeah. I mean, almost all of it was written with Zetro, and it's kind of you know Chuck singing over it and everything. And mm-hmm. while it's amazing, this to me is, is almost like the first real Testament album. Oh yeah, because before the New Order rules, man. And dude, the New Order, Disciples of the Watch, man, and uh, I, I love their cover of uh, Nobody's Fault. Ralph, you don't like that though, do you? No, I hated that cover. Uh, I love that album though. New Order is awesome. New uh, Order rules. Yeah, I, I love it, and I do love that cover. But uh, that would be one I would recommend if you don't know Testament, but you love thrash. And I know a lot of our listeners love Testament, but there might be some that don't know. That's one to check out. I mean, because that's from the golden era of thrash. I absolutely love it. So that is my pick Trial of the week. Trial by Fire, Eerie yeah. Inhabitants. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah. dude. That's yeah. You know, a while back, oh, Into I, the Pit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. A lot of people go to practice what you preach, which I love. But uh, right. but New Order, man. Holy shit. That, that's that's a great one. And that is my pick of the week. I saw All right. And by the way, I, I found out I got the CD and they were on Nuclear Blast. Okay. Oh. Wow, I think okay. that's I think that's what I said, right? Yes. I knew right. they were on a label, and goddamn, I'm gonna listen to this now when we're done here because <laughs> I haven't heard this in a couple uh, about a year, and uh, it's such a. I'm looking at the album now, going fuck this album, fucker. Just by looking at it, and knowing how it sounds, and it's a cool album cover. Shows a guy about to fucking execute some dude in front Sweet. of a church. Nice. Pretty badass album. Yeah, check it out, guys. Uh, Mantic Ritual, and then put on the New Order, and then uh, Mike's pick. All right. Yeah. Well, now we got to go into Fan of the Week. And Fan of the Week, I'm a little, you know, God, it's we've been doing this almost 100 episodes now. And I'm not sure if I picked this guy yet, but, man, he definitely earned this shit if he got it twice. And that's James McCormick from Ireland. Uh, not only is he amazingly active on the Facebook page, but <laughs> this guy has repeatedly sent letters to Rolling Rock telling them to sponsor the show and to send me free beer. <laughs> he, oh, that's funny. He, he has sent me the letters, you know, and the email responses, and it's hilarious. Uh, you know, you know, because the corporate shit coming back, you know, one's like, well, while we cannot send free uh, beer to, you know, active drinkers, uh, if he contacts his local distributor and all this shit, it's hilarious, but he will not let up. And, uh, and there's one email where they're talking about, they're like, oh, well, this show sounds very awesome, and we're so glad that Ian enjoys our product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then there's the always drink responsibly. <laughs> that might be what kills it. <laughs> but uh, it, it was so amazing. When he sent me that stuff, I was dying laughing. And, dude, that, I mean, that, that shit only our fans would do, man. And I appreciate it so much. And that's why something like this, especially having Mike Tyler on this show. And, brother, I really appreciate it because, you know, you even said you started your DJ show on that metal station before Ralph did, before I did, 
but you said you were inspired. And oh, you, totally. And you got the drive to do it from listening to us because we are just regular fans that that just decide to branch out and do something. And that's what you did. And you have not only one, but two amazing shows. And Scott Green has talked to me off air and said, like, you were like the first, like, big draw, you, you know, when he started huh. start getting regular DJs. And, and that is amazing because we've spawned a couple of podcasts and this and that. Right. But but you, dude, I mean, you really, <laughs> you you took the reins and you took the initiative. And, dude, I remember calling you months ago when I yeah. when I just decided to do like a like a drunk dial a fan. And, right. you, and you and me had the most like amazing conversation. And I remember most of it, not all of it, but most <laughs> of it. It was great. It was a great talk, man. And, and, yeah. and it was. And I was so, like, proud of what you do for a living. I mean, you help people so much. You know, with you know, being a health care provider and what you do is so important. But not only that, what you do for the metal community and everything. And I, I could not be more proud that, that somehow what Ralph and I do inspired you to step out and say, hey, you know, I'm going to do something, and it's it's amazing, and I'm so proud to have you on here, and I would like to dedicate this show not only to you, but to your father, and I want to thank you so much for being on here. Well, man, dude, that means so much to me. I mean, that really does. It means the world to me. I mean, I got to be honest, man, when you when you asked me to do this, man, I was like, I had butterflies in my stomach and shit, man. I'm like, man, I don't, hope yeah, I don't well, fucking well, suck, you well, know? Well, that, that's because Ralph pissed <laughs> in your drink. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, he pissed on my drink before he even found out whether I liked the goddamn album or not. Hey, well, actually, he well, knew I, I like Master Dumbass. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't get shit past Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, because, like, when I first heard you guys, I thought, well, maybe I should try to do a podcast, you know, because the one thing I loved about your show is you guys just remind me of me and my buddies or my older brother. Like, Ralph reminds me of my older brother a lot, especially, like, a lot of the things Ralph likes. You know, my brother's, like, 48, so he's pretty close to Ralph's age. Oh, so your, your brother likes to get his ass licked, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, all the, all the time, dude. Um, yeah, but, I uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> he's gonna fucking crack up when he hears uh, this. Uh, does he use chunky or creamy? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'll have to ask. I, I use both. <laughs> oh, fuck. But yeah, you guys were a total inspiration, and when I and then I started listening to that metal station. I, I started listening to Scott when he'd get on the air. I became a fan of that metal station, and when Scott put in that ad looking for DJs, I thought, you know what? Why the fuck not, man? What do I have to lose? And you know, hey, the rest is history, man. And yeah, uh, I I appreciate him giving me the opportunity to do this. Oh, I mean, without yes. Scott Green, none of this is possible. Oh, you know, so, all, all hail Scott Green. Fucking A, man. I mean, he's the man. Love me some DJ Guilty. And I love you guys, too, man. I mean, you guys rule. Hey, hey, so, were you supposed to give away his identity? I thought he was like Batman. You couldn't, you couldn't uh, say it. Uh, no, DJ I didn't know that. Ah, fuck him. It don't matter. <laughs> you know, he's going to hear this shit and say, I'm really pissed off at these guys, but this podcast is my cash cow. See, I, right. I, I thought everybody knew him as Scott Green and DJ Guilty. It's just the name he uses at Glory Holes at rest stops. Right. Across, but yeah, <laughs> across the East Coast. <laughs> but yeah, I remember when I first came on, Scott even told me, he's like, man, dude, your numbers for, especially a nighttime show, because my, my first show was the Friday show, and it was a late show because I worked straight evenings at the time, you know, and, and I was like, wow, you know. So, yeah, I'm I'm 
fucking happy that I have any listeners and that people like what I do. It's it's fucking awesome and it's the best decision I've ever made in my fucking life. I'll tell you that right now. And well, I, I gotta tell you, Scott actually called me the opposite. He was complaining about my lack of numbers, and I said, <laughs> "Keep on the air, bitch. I got those. Pic- I got the pictures with you and the and the fucking sheep." All right, Ian. Let's do the plugs. All right, of course. Check us out on Podbean.com every week. That's where all our links are. You can also hear us on ThatMetalStation.com Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern and Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Also, there's the Dr. Funk Show on That Metal Station, Thursdays at 10 p.m. Eastern and Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Also, check out my show, Wadzilla Rocks, Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. And there's also a lot of other great DJs on there. DJ Metal Mike, DJ Shant, DJ Guilty, DJ Randy, DJ Walter, DJ Kane, and DJ Harley. And I'm sure there's going to be some new ones. Check them out. They're all awesome. Of course, if you're not on the Facebook page, why not? Join that. That's where all the madness happens. If you want to buy anything on Amazon, use our Amazon link that is on the Podbean homepage. Doesn't cost you a penny more. Just click on that, bookmark it, and then every time you use that link, we get a little kickback. Also, check out our YouTube page where Ralph's got some awesome visual versions of older episodes. Also, check out the links to Ralph's bands, Combat and Thrash or Die. We'd also like to talk about some other podcasts that support us and we support. Kistry Science Theater, Trick Chat, The Kiss Room. All right, here's Lee Gersman to plug our shows, and then we're going to play some plugs for some other podcasts that we love and support. Hello, this is Lee Gerstman, and... I listen to a show called Wadzilla Rock. It's on a station called thatmetalstation.com. I love the show. Ian Wadley does music heavy rock from when I was younger up until now, and he's got an extensive bunch of cool shit that he plays. And I love pumping my dog in memory to those tunes. Check it out on Saturdays, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. That is Wadzilla Rock on thatmetalstation.com. Thank you. Hello, this is Lee Gerstman. There's a show that I listen to that is totally awesome. It's almost like having a holy fuck. But it's not a holy fuck, it is a doctor fuck. And it's the Doctor Fuck Show. And you can hear it on thatmetalstation.com. It's on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, but it's also repeated on Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Of course, I always like to listen to it twice, because one fuck is never enough on thatmetalstation.com. Thank you!
Since 2007, you've been getting podkissed, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podkissed. Every month, the podkissed crew, along with the KISS room, brings you KISS talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great KISS fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to podkissed. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to podkissed. The podcast, the Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this, You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. <laughs> Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Sim Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's. Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watch It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix. 
available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.